Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. You're listening to The Jay Shapiro Show. Hello again, this is Jay Shapiro. Thanks for listening. I think that in the light of history, time may be working in Israel's favor. Let's look at the facts so far. In the last several years, Israel's had made agreements with a number of Muslim nations here in the Middle East, as well as in Africa, including Sudan and Morocco. And although there are no formal peace with Saudi Arabia, The Saudis allowed Israeli planes to fly over their kingdom on their way to Bahrain and the United Arab Emirates. The Abraham Accords have given Israel legitimacy in the eyes of the Muslim nations, many of which were formerly at war with Israel. These nations did it for their own interests and have shown that they're really not interested in the Palestinian problem. Israel has shown that it can build itself into a modern power despite the really bad initial conditions. And Israel has what to offer to these nations in many fields, including high technology and defense. And now Iran has become a serious danger to these nations. Keep in mind that although these nations are Muslim, Iran is Shiite and the others are Sunni, and they are not too fond of each other. And the Palestinians have disappointed these nations who no longer see what they can benefit from support of the Palestinians or what they can gain from support of Israel. I think I can say that the Muslim nations, as well as most nations of the world, as well as the Israelis themselves, see Israel as a success story. And despite what's happening, particularly in Europe, we can be optimistic and hope and pray that our leadership will know how to handle our problems, particularly the problem of Iran, in a successful manner. These are the facts on the ground today. I'll talk about other things on the program, but I want to bring these thoughts to the attention of the listeners because I think they describe the reality in which we now live. I'll be back after the break. Hello, I am Walter Bingham. If you want to hear the news behind the news and the true perspective on world affairs, then The Walter Bingham File is the program for you. We bring you interviews with the movers and shakers, political commentaries, and on-the-spot reports of events as they happen. All here every Tuesday, 4 p.m. Israel Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And it's all archived on our website. Make it a date. You're listening to The Jay Shapiro Show. You 
back with Jay Shapiro. The two big stories this week are about Whoopi Goldberg and Amnesty International report. It was pretty anti-Semitic. So let's take these topics today as our main subjects. Let's start with Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, she is a co-host of something called The View, a very popular program in the United States. On a recent episode of The View, she said that the Holocaust and Nazi atrocities against the Jews were not about racism, but rather about two groups of white people. That's very interesting. And she went on to other programs and she doubled down on her original comments. Now, an article appeared by a rabbi from uh, Florida on Facebook uh, and several other outlets. And he said that just so you know, this is what Jews have been enduring almost since the end of the siege of, at Coleville, Texas. A school board in Tennessee has pulled Mouse, a graphic novel about the Holocaust, from its school reading list. There were swastikas on pillars at Union Station in Washington, D.C. There were anti-Semitic flyers in Surfside in Miami Beach, Florida, claiming Jewish connections to COVID-19. Neo-Nazis marched in Orlando. A march which Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, by the way, has refused to condemn. Uh, and as I said, Amnesty International branded Israel as an apartheid state, and I'll say a little bit more about later. Uh, attacks, there were attacks involving vandalism and physical violence throughout the Jewish neighborhood of West White Rogers Park, Chicago. These, um, Chicago, these attacks on Jews have been happening on an almost daily basis, not all are reported. The truth of the matter is, the Jews will continue to be painted and contextualized by others. In a society where people are free to choose their gender, they can choose their pronoun, they can choose their sexual orientation, they can choose their political affiliation, they can choose their religious affiliation. Only Jews are again and again defined by others. This has to do with the way woke progressive feel. They allow every kind of self-expression, which is fine, except that Judaism does not fit into any box. We don't have to worry about what the UN is saying, and it's not up to Goldberg to define us, and it's not up to the Amnesty International to define what Judaism or what Jews are, nor is it up to the New York Times. You have to ask yourself if Goldberg has ever seen a Jew from Morocco, Yemen, or Ethiopia. Uh, it's interesting, by the way, back in the 1990s, the state of Israel geared up on a Shabbat and brought tens of thousands of Yemenite Jews to Israel from where they were languishing in uh, southern Africa because they were Jewish, not because they look like us at all. When I say us, of course, I mean the Ashkenazis of my background. According to Goldberg, exterminating white Ashkenazi Jews by Hitler was simply white on violence. 
but exterminating Jews in North Africa would be considered actual racism due to the color of their skin, which is absolutely absurd. And that what's happening now that there are liberals, liberals in America who are beginning to show their true colors of the very core of the liberal dogma on racism is that to be a racist, one must be white and the hatred must be directed against a black or brown person. A black person shouting, I hate white people, is not a racist, according to liberals, rather someone just expressing his or uh, own, his own frustration of oppression. The um, It's interesting, by the way, that another foundation of the liberal dogma is that white people cannot be the target of racism because they are all the benefactors of white privilege. Uh, now you can ask, are we a race or religion? Uh, it's interesting that uh, Hitler was clear in his belief Jews are a race when he wrote Mein Kampf, and I quote, is not their very existence founded on one great lie, namely that they are a religious community, whereas in reality they are a race. That's what Hitler said. Clearly, Nazi racism wasn't limited to Jews. Anyone who didn't fall into the racially pure description of Hitler's master race was considered to be inferior. As a matter of fact, the Nazis used um, tests to determine if a person was part of a master race. They, they looked the shape of one's nose, the size and shape of their skull, the color of their eyes. These are the most simple and basic de definition of racism. And now we see the same thing happening, unfortunately, in the United States. If you're white, you're good. If you're anything other than white, you're not good. And Jews are not defined as white. Of course, they can't be defined as white because the Jews have covered just about every color in the spectrum. So it's interesting that uh, this is happened now in the United States. And by the way, it's interesting that the Anti-Defamation League changed its definition of racism after the Whoopi Goldberg incident. And this is very interesting. It's kind of subtle. Uh, the Anti-Defamation League has changed its definition of racism uh, because of what happened with Whoopi Goldberg. Now, uh, they have a new uh, interim definition. First of all, they had erect a definition uh, the, um, uh, back in 2020. They had a definition. The uh, Anti-Defamation League defined racism as the belief that a particular race is superior or inferior to another and that a person's social or moral traits are predetermined by his or her inborn biological characteristics. That was the definition in 2020. Now, the uh, according to the new an interim definition, it's only an interim definition, racism occurs when individuals or institutions show more favorable evaluation or treatment of an individual or group based on race or ethnicity. That's the new definition, interim definition, by the Anti-Defamation League. Uh, the League changed its definition back in Back in 2012, 
and uh, now it's uh, it's altogether different. My impression is that these Jewish organizations, with their uh, officers getting huge salaries, have to keep changing their definition in order to stay in sync with organizations in general, I don't really know how much they fight anti-Semitism. They started as being really uh, leaders in the struggle against anti-Semitism, but then I don't know what happened. They became organizations that more or less um, resulted in uh, reproducing themselves and looking high and low for something to stand for. And uh, if they find that the uh, general feeling about any subject is shifting, they shift with it in order to retain their position and their um, personal positions. Now, I know this sounds kind of critical, but I think any listener who checks the results and checks the history We'll see that seems to be true. Years ago, there was a flat-out definition of anti-Semitism, and now we're not quite sure what it is because it, cha- it seems to change with style. And I simply don't, um, don't can't go along with that personally, and maybe I'm just ignorant. By the way, talking about anti-Semitism, one of the big things about anti-Semitism is it also could be nationalist. In other words, I think the state of Iran is anti-Semitic because anti-Semitic means anti-Jewish. And right now we have a country is threatening to blow Israel off the map. And unfortunately, our prime minister told us he had a meeting with the American president and uh, they spoke also on the phone, and that there, the implication was that there's freedom of action given to Israel by the American president. Uh, according to uh, the uh, our prime minister's office, they put out a statement and said President Biden conveyed his unwavering support for the Israel security and freedom of action, emphasizing his administration's full support for replenishing Israel's Iron Dome system. So um, there's no doubt that the big anti-Semite in the world uh, is not is not people who scroll on walls on campuses in American, America, but rather a possibly nuclear-armed uh, Iran that wants to destroy the Jewish state. I think that's the ultimate anti-Semitism, even though different definitions change in time according to the fashion. So anti-Semitism has been as the measles, measles of humanity. It keeps changing its form and it gets stronger and weaker and spreads more and less, but it's always there. And apparently it'll always be with us as long as there are Jews and now as long as there is Jewish state. So uh, it's a tough situation, but that's the way it is. Uh, I'll be back after the break. Hi, 
everyone. This is Andrea Simento from Jerusalem inviting you to drop everything and join me on my show. Pull up a chair. We'll visit this week's quirky stories, meet fabulous guests, and discover my Israel. Together we'll laugh, shout, and explain the topics that make us say, hey, we've got to talk about that. So get comfortable and pull up a chair with me, Andrea Simento, every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. You're listening to The Jay Shapiro Show. You're back with Jay Shapiro. I want to say a few words about the United Nations Human Rights Council known as by its initials UNHRC, and about Amnesty International and, and their relationship to anti-Semitism. Israel has intensified its campaign to prevent the UN organization, UNHRC, from labeling Israel as an apartheid state. Uh, the uh, there's a it had an open-ended commission of inquiry against Israel, and it, it has a report that's going to be published, I think, this week. A, a details of a secret foreign Israeli foreign ministry cable about the report was revealed on Walla that which stated that combating the UN report was a top priority for Israel at the UN this year. The idea what Israel was trying to do at the UN is to delegitimize the committee, its members, and its reports, either by preventing votes or delaying action. The uh, This is very serious now. It's expected that four resolutions against Israel will be passed at the next session of the UNHRC, Human Rights Council, in Geneva during the month of March. It's expected that four resolutions against Israel will be passed. It's also possible that a separate report by a judicial expert Speaking of Israeli apartheid actions, could also be submitted to this UN committee. The, um, the it's interesting the uh, that this the probe against Israel is chaired by a UN high former UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, who said that apartheid means the enforced segregation of people on racial lines, and that's what's happening in Israel, which is interesting. Uh, they they want to uh, investigate all underlying root causes of recurrent tensions, instability, and protraction of conflict, including systematic discrimination and repression based on national, ethnic, racial, or religious identity. So, uh, what what this really is, according to the our foreign ministry as the focus on a racial investigation is sort of a backhanded way of opening the door to say that Israel is an apartheid state. Um, 
the it, it, it's interesting, by the way, the, 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 they have commissions of inquiry, and most of them are limited in scope. But the, the inquiry against Israel is a perpetual probe with no end date. It places Israel alone among all other 193 members of the UN under permanent investigation. So that's very interesting. Now, the Palestinians, by the way, uh, have an automatic majority of support in most UN bodies. And therefore, Israel has really has the ability to block UN resolutions or reports against it. But it has at times been able to delay or mitigate the damage. What they really were going to try to do to, uh, is to uh, prevent the publication of this anti-Israel report. And once the report is published and language labeling Israel as an apartheid state, it enters the United Nations lexicon, and then it gets kind of difficult to erase it. Uh, Israel hopes, by the way, that the United States, which holds a seat on the council, could play a role in mitigating the apartheid threat. Anyhow, uh, that's as far as the... Um, as the UN is concerned. But now I want to say a couple words about amnesty. Uh, amnesty is international, published a report in Great Britain this week alleging it is an apartheid state. And that's a, a really a disturbing example of how history can be manipulated or distorted for political ends. Uh, it is so extreme and so warped that um, it, it's so bad, it will probably not achieve its goals, which is included increasing diplomatic pressure on Israel. The, um, to start with, the accusation in Amnesty's report that Israel's multi-ethnic democracy is akin to the racial segregation and discrimination of apartheid South Africa is so ludicrous it is almost inconceivable that anyone would need to explain why this is so. This, by the way, feeds back on what I said about the, the Whoopi Goldberg business. Israel is a, is a country which is multi-ethnic. We are Jewish people, we are Jewish religion, but we are certainly multi-ethnic. And in Israel, further, Besides the Jews, members of the country's Arab minority serve as government ministers and as Supreme Court justices and members of the Knesset, the, uh, which is, uh, which, and the, the Knesset has an Arab party, part of the coalition called Ram. So there have been Arab parties in the Knesset for years, but this is the first time it's been part of the coalition. There is no doubt that Arabs and other minorities in the country work in every field of the economy and every field of the labor force. They participate in all aspects of public life and enjoy the same civil rights as every other Israeli. This is far divorced from the institutionalized racism of the apartheid system that existed in South Africa. So to compare Israel today to South Africa then under apartheid is an allegation that must be motivated by politics. But Amnesty's report goes further. 
first seeks to blur the lines between the legal realities in Israel and those in the West Bank and Gaza, despite the vastly different situations in terms of international law. It has to twist what has always been a national conflict between Israel and the Palestinians into an alleged effort by Israel to establish racial superiority without addressing the political reality of the conflict between Israel and the Palestinians and Palestinian violence. In fact, Amnesty's report is part of an ideological ideological campaign going back decades to demonize and delegitimize the Jewish state. Now, this campaign against Israel has apparently two goals. The first is to continuously pressure Israel into making concessions to Palestinian maximalist demands while ignoring concessions Israel has already made, such as the withdrawal from Gaza in 2005, as well as any responsibility the Palestinians might have for the ongoing failure to resolve the conflict. The the use of the apartheid allegation has particular potency in advancing this goal because it very readily conjures up images of brutal oppression and injustice by a powerful bully against a helpless victim. In today's era of 30-second attention spans, when explaining something like a decades-old conflict is extremely challenging, using inflammatory rhetoric such as apartheid is a simple tactic to help paint your target as irredeemably evil. If that's the case, then galvanizing international pressure against Israel becomes much easier. And the second goal of this campaign is even more insidious, but it can't be ignored, and that is to undermine Israel's very right to exist as the nation-state of the Jewish people. From the 1975 UN General Assembly resolution declaring that Zionism racism to the infamous 2001 Durban Conference uh, and in between, this campaign has been waged by an, uh, groups with deep-seated antipathy, antipathy to the reality of a Jewish nation-state. In fact, Amnesty's latest report lays bare this, uh, this ambition through its repeated call for Israel to allow more than 5 million Palestinian refugees and their descendants to gain citizenship in Israel, to overwhelm Israel. Such a step would negate Israel's character and status as a Jewish homeland, which Amnesty knows full well. The, look, Israel, is like every other nation in the world, is an imperfect country. Uh, and moreover, when things go wrong, we have an obligation to speak out and to address the problems we have. But the treatment, the treatment by this international, so-called international organization, is no less than anti-Semitic. Israel respects the rule of law, investigates incidents, and so forth. Israel has demonstrated has a necessary mechanism to address serious failures when they arise. 
but reports like amnesties, which simply delegitimize the Jewish state, do nothing to actually build a constructive dialogue which might help advance the course of peace between Israel and the Palestinians. I'll be back after the break. Shalom, I'm Leah Aharoni. Join me on my show, News from the Torah. Each Sunday, we'll use the weekly Torah portion as a prism for understanding the news today. Listen to News from the Torah to gain clarity about the times we're living in and to understand your own spiritual path in the process. News from the Torah, every Sunday on Israel News Talk Radio. You're listening to The Jay Shapiro Show. You're back with Jay Shapiro. Since I spent uh, most of the time on this program talking basically about anti-Semitism, I want to quote for the listeners something which I read that was written by the chief rabbi of South Africa, Warren Goldstein. And he grew up in an apartheid South Africa, and he knows what could happen when they could make the citizens ashamed of their own country. The uh, According to him, the... Uh, the will of the white South Africans was broken and they stopped their apartheid policies because of what was happening to them from around the world, including an economic sanction, which hurt the pockets of the people. And uh, the fact that they um, uh, boycotted the South Africans in culture and sports, uh, and it made people with... South Africans feel like pariahs. And at that time, he says, international travel with a South African passport was like walking around with a badge of shame. And he sees, having seen that in South Africa, he's afraid of what might happen now to the state of Israel. According to him, the intention behind this Amnesty International report, like all those who falsely accuse Israel of apartheid, the goal is to destroy Israel by breaking the resolve of its citizens, by making them ashamed of their country, and thus reluctant to serve in the army or pay taxes, and, and look to emigrate and leave the country, because he saw it happen in South Africa. So according to Rabbi Goldstein, the Israeli government needs to act with resolve, commensurate with the gravity of the threat that this libel poses. The, this Amnesty International report took four years to make, but the outcome, outcome, which is declaring Israel an apartheid state and calling for international opposition to Israel, was pretty much a foregone conclusion from day one. 
So a question that the rabbi asks is, why is the Israeli government making such a feeble response? The Israeli government's efforts to prevent Iran from obtaining a nuclear weapon have been suitably resolute and extensive, but the apartheid label is no less an existential threat and therefore needs to be combated with the same resolve and the resources. This is according to Rabbi Goldstein. Uh, the government needs to embark on a radical paradigm shift to counter the threat of the apartheid accusation. The accusation will stick despite its utter distortion of reality. As Joseph Goebbels, the infamous minister of propaganda during the Nazi regime, said, if you repeat a lie often enough, it becomes the truth. And this lie about Israel is repeated every day by Israel's enemies, so it must be answered. The Jewish state cannot let this defamatory accusation stand. It's a mark of shame. If the apartheid label is not defeated, it will cast a shadow all over Israel. So Israel can never truly be safe. Now, it's not too late. The apartheid label has not taken hold. It just came into being recently, and it's being spread. In a sense, time is running out. The Israeli government really must act now with urgency and marshal every resource at its disposal to refute this terribly false accusation. And world Jewry and all of Israel's allies and supporters should support Israel's efforts to, to deny this calumny. A coherent, multifaceted, and generously resourced strategy to counter this threat must be implemented with speed. Research must be commissioned from think tanks and academic institutions to document the answer to every aspect, no matter how small or big any aspect of the apartheid accusation. No detail of this libel must go unanswered. For the sake of the record of the Jewish people, for the sake of the survival of the Jewish state, diaspora Jews and supporters of all faiths must be armed with the facts of this kind of research. And according to Rabbi Goldstein, vast legal teams must be assembled to challenge the apartheid accusation in judicial fora across the globe. Every available communication platform must be filled with comprehensive contact, professionally presented, refuting all these lies. And a historic diplomatic offensive training and equipment all the Israeli ambassadors and diplomats must be initiated on every level to counter the threat of these lies. The first step is to recognize the apartheid libel for what it is, an existential threat, the diplomatic equivalent of a nuclear weapon. A paradigm shift in the Israeli government's approach is urgently needed the future of the Jewish state and the integrity of Jewish history is at stake. Now, what I've quoted so far, pretty much verbally, is something that was written by the, the chief, present chief rabbi of South Africa, who grew up under the apartheid regime, and he knows how the government of South Africa was affected 
by the boycotts against its apartheid policies. And now, having experienced this, he is trying to give advice to the Israeli government. You can't simply uh, poo-poo what's happening and say, well, people are lying about Israel, but they've always lied about Israel, so that's the way it is. According to Rabbi Goldstein, this is not true. This uh, the, the attack against Israel by so-called prestigious organizations, for example, like Amnesty International, uh, it can it can really harm Israel in the long run, and therefore they must be acted against immediately, because these lies, and and he quotes Goebbels, you tell a lie big, tell a lie big enough and long enough, everybody uh, thinks it's the truth, and and to a certain extent, it becomes the truth, because that's all people what people that people know, and so there is no doubt that we are in a, the apartheid libel is a war against Israel, and we, the Jewish people and the state of Israel and our friends, must act against it now. It is not something to be poo-pooed. It is a reality can endanger the state. And so I've, I've quoted the rabbi at some length because I believe, I believe there's a lot of truth in what he says. Well, I've spent most of the program today talking about anti-Semitism in its various forms, so I want to end the program on a more positive note, and that has to do with our ties between Israel, between Bahrain. Our defense minister paid a historical visit last week to Bahrain, and it's an important milestone in helping to cement the so-called Abraham Accords. He was there, uh, our, our defense minister held meetings with the country's king, defense minister, and he also visited the U.S. Navy's Fifth Fleet, which is stationed in Bahrain. So that was really a step forward. Several years ago, a high-profile visit like this would have been unimaginable. Bahrain has been at the forefront of pushing narratives of tolerance and being open to Israel. But it took the Abraham Accords and the United Arab Emirates leading the way as some tacit support from uh, Saudi Arabia, by the way, for all of this to happen. His visit of our, our defense minister came in the wake of our president's visit earlier this week, last week, to the United Arab Emirates. It was a follow-up to his visit to Morocco last year. So what happens now is we're showing that the defense ministry is revolutionizing its role in building relations abroad. This is absolutely essential in the region where defense ties play a crucial role, particularly in the face of Iranian aggression. So our our foreign our defense minister took part in a trilateral meeting with his counterpart from Bahrain and with the candidate of the commander of the fifth, U.S. Fifth Fleet, a vice admiral, and and the vice admiral said, "We'll always be at our best when we, when we are in a partnered effort." So there's been deepening deepening cooperation, which will enable the three countries to maintain regional stability and defend their common interests, and uh, and it, that includes co cooperation. 
between Bahrain, the UAE, and the, the uh, U.S. Naval Forces Central Command, and now Israel is getting involved. So um, the bond between Israel and these countries, as well as the U.S., is based on common interests and perhaps even more important on shared values. So the, the military cooperation is reflected reflected of these common interests. So having spoken about um, anti-Semitism, a lot of negative things, I want to close the program with something positive. Cooperation between these Gulf states, the U.S. Navy, and the state of Israel, something that could not have been dreamed of even five years ago. Until next time, this is Jay Shapiro signing off. Take care of yourselves. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.